No, no, I'm, I'm good. Thank you so much, uh, Blake. I got it. I don't know how, though. Don't worry. We're good. We're good. We're good. Dr. Brushman to the rescue, as usual. So, um, okay. So, there is a light of Hashem which is completely transcendent, and there's a light of Hashem which is a bit transcendent. We learned an example yesterday, when you see someone davening with great inspiration, so you don't know what's motivating them. The person himself was davening, they are inspired by what they appreciate. That's called pnimi. That's something, an internal experience. They're, 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 they're bringing inside themselves something that is animating them. You're watching them. That's called makif. You don't have it inside you. You're just watching what's going on inside them, which, by the way, is a good thing. I think I shared with you how the Rebbe once was standing outside of his door, and there was old Chassid who was Rebbe's emissary to Morocco, Rebbe Saida Liberov. And Rebbe stood there for a long time watching him, and watching him daven, watching him daven with such concentration. And Rebbe's secretary said, he shared the story with me, he said that Rabbi Benjamin Klein, he said the Rebbe wasn't watching him just because the Rebbe wanted to watch him, that was watching him so that we should know what we should look at. What we should look for. Anyways, so, um, so beside the Libra of his davening, and you're looking at beside the Libra of davening. So for you, that's called makif. It's something which is transcendent. It's not something which is inside of you. Then there is going to a minion. Going to a minion is something which you don't even know what the experience really is. It's not, you can't put your finger on it. It's not the, it's not the aura of the minion. It's not the, 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 um, the choir-like experience of the minion. It's just the fact that there are, the Shekhinah, the divine presence is there, that affects you, it causes you to have greater connection to your neshama, that causes, you have to have thoughts of return to Hashem. That's called Makaparachik, it's something which is completely transcendent, and, um, ooh, and here we go. This, this recording went out too. Okay, Baruch Hashem, it's all Ashkacha Protas. No, you're doing good. Everything's by divine providence. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's not. It's still going. It's still going. Ah, okay. So, and then Daniel pointed out yesterday that um, we're not just talking about um, uh, a, a, those kinds of experiences. We're talking about the godly energy of Hashem within creation, beyond creation, and levels within that. Levels within um, the light of Hashem beyond creation. The sukkah isn't just about one specific thing. And that's what the um, verse is actually saying. There's two parts of the verse. The verse, it starts off with all Jews should sit in a sukkah. is talking to us souls and bodies and telling us to connect to Hashem and to sit in the sukkah and to connect to the light of Hashem, which is a bit transcendent. And the next part of the verse, every Jewish citizen will sit in a sukkah, and it's stating it as a matter of fact, that's referring to the essence of the neshama, which is at home in the, uh, in the makif harachik, in the light of Hashem, which is completely transcendent. So the previous Rebbe makes a comment about the connection between these two phrases. And he says, what allows the Jewish people to sit in a sukkah, to bring down the light of Hashem, which is a bit transcendent, is the fact that there are, are the essence of the neshama is at home in the um, it's, the essence of the neshama is rooted in God's essence. Uh, by the way, Daniel, I, I told you yesterday that Rebbe doesn't give an address 
for the what's a very transcendent, but I see he does. Um, the very transcendent light of Hashem that we're talking about actually is not a light of Hashem. It's just, we're talking about the essence of Hashem. The essence of the Neshama is at home in the essence of Hashem. Because the essence of the Neshama is rooted in the essence of Hashem. So the reason that we're able to draw down something which is a bit transcendent is because the essence of our Neshama is, a, is, is, is um, rooted in Hashem's essence. It's rooted in the greater sukkah, if you will. The, uh, the, what is completely transcendent Hashem's essence. You follow? No? The reason we're able to do what we do to bring down the light of Hashem, which is a bit transcendent, is because the essence of the Neshama is rooted in God's essence. Yeah? Because of where we come from, because we're coming from Hashem's essence, that's why we're able to draw down this um, light of Hashem, which is completely transcendent. Because uh, the essence of Hashem is rooted in Hashem's essence, that's where you're able to draw down the light of Hashem, which is a bit transcendent. So the, the two phrases are connected. The phrase, every Jew should sit in a sukkah, every Jew should bring down the light of Hashem, which is a bit transcendent. Why is that possible? It's because the essence of Hashem is sitting in the sukkah, is rooted in Hashem's essence, and... Um, and it's at home there. And that's why there's no commandment to tell the essence of the Shema to sit in the sukkah because that's its natural place. Essence of the Shema is naturally in the Ma'kif HaRochik, naturally in what is completely transcendent because the essence of the Shema is rooted in God's essence. Yeah, Daniel? The essence of the Shema is rooted in God's essence and therefore it's at home in God's essence. Which means it's at home more in the minion or the sukkah or... Okay, 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 it's my fault, go ahead. So, so uh, I use it as an example for something very transcendent to minion. But the Rebbe is very specific about what he means over here when he says very transcendent. He means God's essence. He doesn't just mean the light of Hashem, the Shekhinah, which rests on a minion. He's referring to the essence of Hashem. The essence of the Neshama is sitting in the sukkah, is at home, is resting on Hashem's essence. And that's why it's possible for us to um, draw down the light of Hashem, which is a bit transcendent, when we go into a sukkah, because of, we're powered by the essence of our Hashem being rooted in God's essence. Okay? Okay. Are you really okay with that? I am. Okay. Um, I'll tell you why you should be okay with that. We'll see more, but there, there are many similar things that um, we could do because of where our Hashem comes from. Because the essence of the Hashem is rooted in Hashem's essence, that powers a lot of our experiences. That, 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 not necessarily is it our experience, are we experiencing Hashem's, our, our essence of our neshama, but it's, but it's something that, that, that trickles down into our, our behavior. A, a classic example is faith in Hashem. Why do Jews believe in Hashem without any need for a proof? So Chassidah says it's because the essence of neshama is rooted in God's essence. And you're like, well, I haven't visited, met, I don't, I don't even know what my essence of my neshama looks like. Okay, fair enough. However, that's you. That's your very deepest core. And because that's your deepest core, that's why you walk around and say, yeah, of course, Devishter, of course, Mashiach, of course, there are mitzvahs. Why, what's the of course? Where does it come from? It's because the essence of your neshama is rooted in God's essence. This is you. Okay. The question, though, is this. There's three parts of the verse, not just two. Remember we started off the Mimer and we said, why should we sit in the sukkah? What was the reason we gave? Because Hashem said, I place the Jewish people 
in the clouds of glory when they left Egypt. What empowers you to bring down the light of Hashem, which is Makaf Kariv, is not only the fact that the essence of the Shama is at home in God's essence, but it's because Hashem gave us their initial experience of being in the clouds of glory. That's the reason the Torah gives for why we can sit in the sukkah, why we can bring down the light of Hashem. So what's going on? Is it A, because the essence of the Shama is rooted in God's essence, or is it B, because Hashem initially gave us the clouds of glory, the first year we left Egypt? What's the motivating thing over here? Um, okay. You, you follow the question? Everyone with me? No? There's three parts of the verse. The verse says, why should you sit in the sukkah? Because I put you in the clouds of glory. That means what powers your sukkah experience is that your grandfather was in the clouds of glory. That's why it's possible. It's like a, a time chamber, a time travel chamber, you know? It's science fiction powerful. Okay. Or, or let's use another scientific example about, uh, not scientific, but you know, they, they put these things in the ground, they take them out every so often. What's it called? Uh, time capsule. Time, time capsule. capsule. Yeah. It's a time capsule. Yeah. Uh, so so that, is that the reason why you could sit in a sukkah? Is that what, what powers you? Or is it what powers you is the fact that you're Jewish and your essence of your neshama is rooted in God's essence? Which one is it? Why do we need both reasons? Both reasons are given in the Torah. The Torah says, you should sit in a sukkah for seven days because, because I gave you the clouds of glory. And then it says, every Jewish citizen, meaning the essence of the neshama, which is called a citizen because it's, it's not a visitor, it's always it's been here since before creation. Um, I met some child yesterday. I remember if his, his parents had a hard time having children. And I'm like, I know you since before you were born. I remember I know you since we were sitting around saying, L'chaim, that you should come here to this world. Anyway, so the essence of the Shem is a resonance. The essence of the Shem has been here since before creation. So, so that's, is that the reason what empowers our sitting in the sukkah? Or is it the initial experience of our grandparents? Which one is it? So let's go to Ez Gimel. And let's, let's uh, try and understand this. But as you know, in Hasidus, the, uh, the answers don't come so quickly. So, so, so it's, not, it's not about the answers. It's about, it's about learning. Let's go. You, when the Mehektim, understand this, my first prefacing, the Kivan, Sheris, Makifan, Kmeshim, and Saratsam, Enemy, Bayim, Bishashvos, Harizesh, the Israel, Yeshim, Sukkim, the Shahram, Pimias, and Bishashvos, and Kmeshim, and Ismakifan. Since the transcendent lights of Hashem, naturally, are not settled. So if we are going to bring them down to be settled, that means we're changing them. There's a change that these lights are experiencing. They're no longer jumpy, if you will. They're now settled. You say to Mizzou, not only are they settled, because we are experiencing them in a deeper internal way, that we've absorbed them in a way that is part of our persona, but more... It's not only a change in our experience of these lofty transcendent lights, it's more, it's that these lights themselves are changing. It's not only that we're experiencing something which is transcendent and we're taking it all in, it's more that there's actually a change happening to these lights and they're becoming settled lights. Let's, let's talk about Reb Zeyr and Rabbah for a second. You probably know the story. Reb Zeyr and Rabbah had a Purim meal together and in the middle of the, of the um, festivities, Rabbah shechts Reb Zeyr. That's the language the Gemara uses. So 
um, don't worry about Rav Zeir. And the next day, Rav, Rabbah resurrects him. And then the next year, Rabbah and Rav Zeir meet again, and Rabbah says to Rav Zeir, hey, let's do this again. It was so great last year, wasn't it? And, and Rav Zeir says, no, not a good idea. Miracles don't happen all, every single day. So, so the question is, what's going on? Why would Rabbah shecht Rav Zeir? And if he did shecht Rav Zeir, wouldn't he regret it and feel bad about it and not want to do it again? Wouldn't the last person you want to meet on Purim be Rav Zeir? And so Chassidus explains that it wasn't that Rabbah was drunk and, and, got, and he went crazy. Is that the word shecht in Hebrew means to draw higher. Rabbah experienced a great revelation of godliness because of the festivities. It wasn't just drinking wine. It was experiencing a revelation of Hashem. He wanted to give it to Reb Zayda. He wanted Reb Zayda to experience it. But Reb Zayda couldn't handle it. Why? Because Reb Zayda, his vessels were smaller than Rabbah's. What Rabbah would consider something that's like a walk in the park, beautiful experience, is for Abzera something which is like overwhelming. And so therefore his neshama left his body. It's kind of like the story of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe once was um, learning with um, the Mzitsha Magid, and together with the Mzitsha Vanipoli in And while the Mzitsha Magid is giving this discourse, Melech and Abzusha are going, are going crazy. They're, they're doing somersaults, they're throwing up. They, they can't handle the experience. But the Alter Rebbe is taking it all in. The Alter Rebbe had broader vessels. He's able to, to internalize the experience. Um, but Reb couldn't. So what happened to Reb His soul left his body. Is that a bad thing? Not necessarily, because isn't it good once in a while to uh, have a Purim and to have a great experience that's otherworldly? Don't we know that when God gave us the Torah that the Jewish people's their souls left their body because it was so overwhelming? Wasn't well, that a good thing? So Rabbi says to Reb Zera, by the way, this is alluded to in the names Rabbi and Reb Zera. Zera means small, Rabbi means big. Rabbi had bigger vessels, he could handle it. Reb Zera couldn't. I just want to point out, it's not that, that Rabbi was colder, Reb Zera was more excitable. Rabbah and Reb Zayda were passionate Jews to a degree that we can't imagine. But Rabbah was able to internalize this light of Hashem in a way that, that, was, that was part of him. For Reb Zayda was something which, which was overwhelming. Um, Chassidus talks about two people seeing the king. The Gemara talks about two people seeing the king. A villager seeing the king versus someone who lives in the city who sees the king. One who lives in the city... He, he, he uh, is able to give a very descriptive account of what happens in the, in the king's palace, but um, he, he, it's, it's not overwhelming. He's used to it. The villager who sees, comes to see the king, everything's like, wow, 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 wow. That's how Chassiz compares the two angels, the Seraphim and the Ephanim. The Seraphim are like the, the, um, the uh, city person who sees the king, guy who's always seeing the king. They're burnt up by their experience. It's, 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 it's something which, which is amazing to them, but yet it doesn't have this tumult. They find him, we find that they, they're screaming, there's a great tumult in their experience. They're like the village roof, sees the king, wow, 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 wow. Okay, so, so for Rabbah, this Purim was, was something that was meaningful. For Abzeda, it was something which was otherworldly and, and caused his soul to leave his body. Um, So the next year, Rabbi said, let's do this again. Rabbi Zayda says, well, it was a miracle that I survived and you brought me back to life. We can't do it again. It was, it was a good thing, but it's not something we should do again. Um, 
is a similar concept on, on the night of the Seder. It says that uh, great tzaddikim, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Tarfin, they were talking about the story of the departure from Egypt all night. And as they were talking about it, they, the whole night passes, and their students come and they say, our teachers, the time for the morning Shema has, has arrived. What's going on? The teachers are saying, we need to still leave Egypt. We need to go beyond ourselves. And their students are like, for us, it's light already. You are maybe not experiencing light because for you, this is not something which is, which is overwhelming. You want to leave Egypt. You want to have an overwhelming experience. For us, we already have the light. For us, it's already overwhelming. That's why the students said, it's already time for the morning Shema. The teachers are like, we got to keep on going. It's still night. But the students are like, no, it's, it's, it's already light for us. It's already revelation. It's already amazing. So the midst of seeing the sukkah is that we take these transcendent lights and they become part of us. They become part of who we are. Okay. That it's something we're able to internalize. Not something which over, only overwhelms us, becomes part of us. But there's something else that the previous Rebbe adds in the discourse, and he says the lights themselves change. Look at the last few lines of the paragraph. Not only are these transcendent lights drawn into vessels, not only do they become settled, the lights themselves are changed and they become settled lights. It's not that we change and we become like Rabbah, we become like Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Tarfun and we're able to experience something in an internal way. It's not that. It's not like for one person it's transcendent, for one person it's, 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 it's internal. It's more. It's that these lights themselves change and they become set of lights. How is it possible that a Jew, through his service of Hashem, is changing these transcendent lights? What exactly are we doing to affect these transcendent lights to stop being transcendent and to become internalized? Um... Let's go a little bit further. The simple meaning of every Jewish citizen should, will sit in the sukkah. The simple meaning of it is that Jews in this world, souls and body, bodies, should go into a sukkah and actually dwell in that sukkah. That's the simple meaning of the Pasuk. Jews go into a sukkah and live in it. It's known Whenever you have two translations of one verse, there's a connection between them. Move on. That means that what achieves this connection to the transcendent light of Hashem, even the very transcendent light of Hashem, it's the fact that the Jews are actually sitting in a sukkah. So we are sitting in a physical sukkah, but what's being triggered as a result is the, is the connection to the makif harachik. Um, in other words, it seems like, according to what we learned until now, that the essence of the Shama is naturally in God's essence, naturally sitting in God's essence. But actually, no, it, it's something which is achieved by, the, by us sitting in a sukkah. We are connecting also, the, the essence in the Shem is also having a new experience by us sitting in the sukkah in a simple sense. It's, it's a natural place for the essence in the Shema. The essence in the Shema is at home in God's essence. But what brings it there 
It's us sitting in a sukkah. So we're sitting in a sukkah, and we're physical people, souls and bodies, and, and, and there's a parallel that's happening at the very same time that we're drawing down the, the essence of Hashem to the essence of the Nisham. According to this, there is indeed a change in the Makafarachik. There is a change in, so to speak, God's essence, which is a big question. We know there's no change in God's essence. And that's when we get to Mitzvah tomorrow. How is it possible that we're changing God? It can't be a change in God's essence. God's essence God doesn't change. As the Pasuk says, God is not like a human being who changes his mind. But there, it seems that we're sitting in a sukkah and there's something that we are affecting a change because the, two verse, the verse has two translations. Either it means that Yankel, Shmerel, and Beryl are sitting in a sukkah or it means, a deeper meaning is, that the essence of the Shema is basking in God's essence. And they're connected to each other. Whenever you have two translations of a Pasuk, they're always connected, as we know by the word Shatnis. The Gemara has a discussion about the connection of what constitutes Shatnis. What point is the transgression of wool and linen being mixed together happening? So Gemara says, there's three translations of Shatnis. Either it means twined, spun, and woven. And the Gemara's conclusion is, you have to have all three. It has to be both spun, twined, and woven together for it to be shatnas. So too, um, if there are two translations of this verse, Jew is sitting in a sukkah in a simple sense, or the essence of Shema connecting to God's essence, all translations of one verse are connected, and that means, how do we bring down God's essence? It's through us sitting in a sukkah. And the question is, how does our behavior at all, how does that do anything? L'chera, Hashem never changes. Hashem is, is impossible. Hashem, well, it's a principle of our faith that Hashem doesn't change. So what does it mean that we, we, we're causing some kind of um, something novel to happen in Ma'kef HaRachek? Hashem, tomorrow we will continue.